BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is that Stacey Davis Gates I see? It's Stacey Davis Gates. How are you? I'm doing well. Stacey, you can't see me because my computer's so old it doesn't have a camera. Yeah, uh, right. You're in the bed eating <laughs> <no> ice cream. <laughs> That's not true. All right. Now, listen, Stacey, I, got, I need to be bolstered. I need me to fire it up. I need to feel better about the world. And so I'm turning to you. The ball <laughs> is in your court. You're a point guard for many years. you got to deliver things. Uh, um, go ahead. Your general thoughts. Um, well, you know, I, I thought that this election, white supremacy was on the ballot. You know, you look up at Michigan, where they were literally plotting to kidnap a sitting governor. Um, you look at Wisconsin, where COVID rates are th- through the roof and people are still refusing to, you know, do anything to mitigate the rise those were the things that I was paying more attention to, less of the polls, because I think in 16, we learned a good lesson about polls, that they are only as accurate as people are willing to be honest. And I just think that people are not being honest about how they really feel until they cast their vote. And so that's what I think we're seeing in this moment. Um, And, you know, all politics are local. And you go back to, you know, the emphasis on hyperlocal races. One of the bright spots is that um, citizens in the city of Chicago um, believe in taxing um, wealth. So you can actually get through, um, you know, a progressive type of tax this um, during this budget season, right? You can, you know, maybe stave off some of the property tax hikes and some of the layoffs um, by looking at something that's more progressive that taxes people like Ken Griffin, who can evidently write checks, you know, for tens of millions of dollars at the drop of a hat. So, I mean, those are some bright spots. I mean, I think Chicago's ready to tax, you know, millionaires and billionaires. Yay. It's a, you know, we can do that here. Um, especially as we're looking at this um, budget. I think also, too, um, the magic of what happens here in Illinois, if you look at the map, the preliminary map right now, and all of the red around us, and we're blue, it just is amazing that Illinois can remain blue. And I I think that should be something people spend some time um, thinking through. How does that happen? What is happening to make that happen? Um, and who's the architect of that? All right, uh, let's start. Let's uh, keep it local. Um, uh, and let's go back to the theme that you raised. You were talking about the fair tax, of course, uh, which was the, uh, the, the amendment uh, to the Illinois Constitution that would allow uh, J.P. Pritzker uh, and the, uh, the General Assembly to raise the rates on the, the wealthiest people in Illinois in order to raise those rates, in order to um, have a progressive tax as opposed to a, a flat tax, which we have now, we have to amend the Constitution. 
It looks as though statewide it will not meet its 60% mandate. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but those are the last numbers I saw. But 70% of the vote uh, in Chicago, 70% of the voters in Chicago voted yes. And so the point you're making, Stacey, is a very local point. And the point you're making is that um, leaders in Chicago, certain mayor of Chicago, uh, and the aldermen in the city of Chicago, in your humble opinion, should look uh, to these results to say they can venture into more progressive areas uh, to raise money to uh, meet our budget in the middle of this pandemic. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You can. Voters gave you that. That's a mandate, 70 percent. So I would not like if I'm a sitting alderman in this moment. I would not be shy. Hell, if I was on the county board, I wouldn't be shy. Um, You know, it also won in the county, not by the same margin, obviously, and it still won. You you get to tax rich people in Cook County and the city of Chicago. That was that result. And that's not a poll that people actually voted. And we haven't counted everything yet. So those margins can certainly grow. I think that is promising. And it also speaks to the type of organizing um, that the movement has been doing for like the last decade or so and putting at the fore this need to tax the rich. And so at this point, Chicagoans are accustomed to hearing that they've been organized around that idea and they demonstrated um, their support for it today. So I think that, you know, this whole concept of laying workers off and cutting services and closing down services and um, raising property taxes on the same people you plan to lay off, you don't have to have that discussion anymore. You can go straight for um, progressive income or progressive taxation here in Chicago. Raising taxes on the people you're laying off. Yeah, not a very... um... It's not a very uh, pragmatic way to fill your budget uh, shortfalls. You lay the people off saving whatever money you save, and then you raise their taxes, uh, basically putting them out of existence. When you evaluate, Stacey, the resistance uh, to the uh, fair tax, which was largely financed, as you point out, by uh, well-to-do people like Kenny G, uh, Kent Griffith, uh, how deep do you think uh, that resistance is? Is it just this notion that they just plugged in on? And, and by the way, Civic Chicago, join them on this, Stacey. Well, of Civic course. Chicago, join they, them. You know, Civic Chicago and Ken Griffin also championed the closing of like over 200 schools that black kids went to. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they would also be um, opposed to those same children and their families having um, a progressive income tax that would provide more for the public sector, which, you know, largely um, employs people of color and women. You know, to me, it goes together. I'm not surprised by that at all. But it also speaks to the need for the type of organizing that's been done in Chicago for a number of years to reach other parts of our state. Look, I think um, I remember that the state of Illinois has more documented sundown um, counties, cities, towns, if you will, um, than any other place in the nation. And for it to be blue on that map, that is something worth analyzing and i can't say that enough because if you if we we are literally in a position where you have a blue state with a history of um 
exclusion, um, oppression, but you still have a blue state. What is that about and what can we learn from it? And then how do we translate that into um, other, you know, tax um, the rich um, initiatives? Because there's something to be learned from that. But I would also say this, too, is that shifting taxation in this state is going to be a multi-year endeavor. I would also say that taxing rich people in this state, we have to begin to unpack, you know, just this um, this false premise of, you know, people who don't have money thinking that they have money or that rich people actually earned all that rich people money. What do you mean by that? Go into that a little bit. Well, I mean, think about how wealth is created and has been created in this country. It's, it's been through socialism, if you will. You know, tax abatements, um, tax breaks. Think about Amazon right now. We pay municipalities and states and so forth. They pay Amazon to come to their space. Amazon doesn't invest in that. Obviously, they pay a salary. They pay a wage. But you have like these large corporations relying on the largesse of government to fund their endeavor to create the infrastructure. And so if we're not having those conversations, so we can fund, you know, sports stadiums, we can fund um, Amazon, but we can't provide um, breast, breast cancer screenings. We can't find um, a neighborhood public schools. You know, think about like what people need versus what people aren't receiving. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, particularly, it, it, it's the way the uh, the issue is framed. So, if you give a, a tax break uh, to Amazon to encourage them uh, to build a warehouse <clears throat> on the south side of Chicago or in University Park in the south suburbs, uh, that's considered an investment uh, in uh, economic development. That's how that's presented by the powers that be. Uh, if you pay a retiree a pension so that he or she can pay his bills or her bills and raise a family. Uh, and be a productive citizen in Chicago, that somehow or other is considered a waste of money. Psychology, you agree with me, Stacey? We have to become more adept at an organizing conversation, asking people, what do they imagine? What do they believe in? What do they believe we can get together? You know, so much of this electoral cycle was vote or die, and it's like, dude, people are dying literally right now. You know, it, it, we, we are not having an honest... Look, one thing that I know from going on strike a few times is that if you have an honest conversation with grown-ups about the stakes, right, you don't have to sell them an illusion. They will more than likely make the right decision. And the right decision meaning voting... Um, and and behaving in their best interest. We typically in electoral politics don't necessarily trust them. And we use polling wrongly. I think polling is an indication of how you organize. Like you take the data in 
and you clarify, okay, this is where people stand today. Now, this is where, you know, we want to move them. And then what is the, what, what are the themes that we say and do in between the, the initial poll and then the ultimate poll, you know, like E-Day, right? And so we're using polling, though, to reinforce instead of to organize. But that is a multi-year endeavor. It's not, you know, an electoral cycle endeavor at all. And then here's the other thing. I think folks really need to come to terms with um, white supremacy is comfortable for a lot of people. Patriarchy is very comfortable for a lot of people. Um, and what does that mean? Honestly, you know, it's comfortable for some, uncomfortable for others. Um, you know, this whole like toss tuming thing that, you know, has been going on, you know, somehow folks think that jailing black kids is, is repulsive when there are millions of black people in prison right now, like literally that, that actually ain't going to move the needle. Cause if it did, then why does it exist in the way that it exists right now? You know, we have to start being honest about this, even if it's an uncomfortable honesty, how do we move people? How are we organizing people? How are we talking to people and how are we absolutely accepting what it is in this moment? I'm not saying agree with it, but acknowledge what it is and then figure out how to get it to where you need it to be. And that's organizing. That's just not like vote or die. Uh, well, all right. You raised a lot there uh, to pick apart. Uh, and um, the contradictions, I may have said this to you already, the contradictions between the, like the message, just look in the, uh, the state's attorney's race to prove this point. Uh, we have, I've, I haven't seen any updates in a while. I think Kim Fox will win. I was predict, predicting all along she was going to win. But uh, Patrick O'Brien ran the, one of the most blatantly uh, racist campaigns I've seen since Bernie Epton against Harold Washington, which was before your time. Uh, it was a long time ago, is my point. And save Chicago, vote for Pat O'Brien was his message. I'm like, are you kidding me? save Chicago to vote, voting for you like what okay so that was that was the message at the same time Donald Trump the leader of the party that Patrick O'Brien uh, is part of was saying he did more for black people with his uh, uh, first step program criminal justice reform uh, than um, anybody else. He had done more for black people than anybody else, uh, including Abraham Lincoln, or except for maybe for Abraham Lincoln. Stacey, the contradiction embedded in that position where Donald Trump gets to get away with saying something outrageous and is not challenged on it in any way, because I don't know, maybe the Democrats are afraid to champion a criminal justice reform so that... Ice Cube can stand up and say, oh, voting for uh, Donald Trump is a vote is a, like for criminal justice. It's so bizarre and twisted that it really sometimes I feel my head's going to blow up. How do you deal with those kinds of contradictions? But those contradictions are always there. They're just not there in way they're here in Chicago. Like you can hear that same conversation about Democrats versus Republicans in Chicago. And 
they'll talk about Rosalind, they'll talk about Inglewood, they'll talk about West Garfield Park as to why, um, you know, people need to vote um, out Democrats because they're not like seeing, feeling, experiencing a better quality of life, right? Now, listen, here's the thing. You can be pissed off with Democrats, but the conclusion isn't Donald Trump. I mean, I completely reject that. Like, look, you know, I wasn't a Biden delegate or even a cheerleader for that matter, but I do know something about the need to survive in this moment. And Donald Trump makes that awfully hard. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, the contradiction is that real people are not experiencing a real benefit from policies and, and we're supposed to tuck it in during election time. And here we are. Yeah, here we are indeed. All right, let's go back to the way you mentioned the Michael Tuman thing. And there's that, uh, we sh- I, I cannot let you uh, leave. You've got to play this. Uh, Stacey Davis Gates, dear friend, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, had, uh, I don't know what uh, the mayor of the city of Chicago has got against the Chicago Teachers Union. We've discussed this many times. Every time Stacey's on the show, we talk about this. But, D, I sent you this tape uh, this uh, that uh, was on Twitter. Um, uh, it's his, uh, Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, outside of school. I'm not quite sure where it was. And there is a social worker, a school social worker, uh, who confronts her about Judge uh, Michael Tuman. Uh, the uh, Tony Preckwinkle and the Cook County Democratic Party had tried to um, unseat Tuman uh, by uh, not giving them endorsement. I was just talking to Jacob Kaplan. It looks as though that it's going to be unsuccessful and that Tuman will be retained. But just an interesting little exchange between uh, Lori Lightfoot. D, let me know when you have it ready to go. And then I'd love to hear what Stacey Davis Gates has to say about it. Go ahead, D. All right, well, keep up the good work, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Commander, good to see you. We're with you. Take care. Thanks for Judge Tooman locks up 11-year-olds. Why did you endorse Judge Tooman? He locks up 11-year-olds. No, I'm happy to endorse Judge Tooman because he's a good judge. How so? He advocated to lock up younger children. And then he denied their release when they had COVID. How do I have them wrong? Justice Watch and the Democratic Party wouldn't endorse him. The teachers union is wrong about that. And the Democratic Party also did not endorse them. Your teacher. First of all, all right, help me out here, Stacey Davis Gates. She's Mayor Lori. I mean, the teachers union wasn't even mentioned. It was uh, the teachers union I mentioned. We don't endorse judicial races, man. (laughs) I mean, let's start there. Um, It's a complicated endeavor that requires study. I think it doesn't, a, a judicial endorsement should not be the same type of endorsement process, um, that we do with other political candidates. So, um, I am, I am very cold to that, to be honest with you. In fact, I used the Injustice Watch Judicial Guide um, the the past few times um, that they've put it out, um, you know, because it was thoughtful and it was thorough. Um, But this whole thing, like, look, 
she didn't have to say that today for us to know how she feels about it. Like the positivity rate, the COVID positivity rate in the city of Chicago right now, I think is like 10%. Mm-hmm. And there is an arbitrator's order basically telling the Chicago public schools and the mayor that our tech coordinators and our clerks should not be going into these buildings because they're not equipped to keep them safe. And they're still in the buildings because they refuse to comply with the order. Not only that, the clerks who decided to save their own life, they've been docked paid for doing so. Right. And then the other, and then some other ones who decided to actually go to work, they're sick right now and family members are sick. So her like demonstration today outside of a school with the finger pointing and the aggressive behavior, um, that that is a gross demonstration of, of leadership, very gross. And it is connected to the gross demonstration of leadership that we see with respect to our schools, the, the uh, workers within the schools as it relates to this pandemic. Um, bless her heart. Bless her heart. Uh, why did she immediately jump to the conclusion uh, that the Chicago Teachers Union was behind the effort to unseat Michael Tuman? Because I think she sees all of her opposition in red, um, unfortunately. And I think that that's a mistake. Um, look, there are many people in this city who make up their minds about a whole number of things that we have zero, um, you know, we don't have anything to do with. And what I will say is that um, I just think that someone has to call her on that behavior. Like, yo, you can't go around bullying um, social workers, like teachers. That's not a good look. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. like, honestly, people have taken out an entire text on the way Trump has handled school reopening taken out an entire text on Trump about how he um, behaves. Well, y'all got one brewing here in this city. Real talk. You you have, you saw the video and she knew that that video was filming. She wants that energy and that action. And um, yeah, that's not good, man. That's not good. It's, it's disgusting. I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm very concerned because if she would behave the way that she did while being filmed, she's our boss, right? And that young lady has a job. So, you know, my immediate thought went to, you know, what type of retaliation will this young woman have to deal with because of the thin-skinned nature of our boss? Mm-hmm. I'm, that I am concerned about. All right. Uh, Robert Peters is uh, joining us. going to bring him on and uh, broaden the topic to more uh, the issues of uh, the future of progressive politics in the uh, uh, tonight with the election results. But before we do that, I just want to follow up one last question with you on this issue uh, about uh, Lori Lightfoot, teachers going back to school, etc. Uh, it's really not uh, directly related to the national election that's here. But Troy LaRavie was on the show. He comes on all the time, head of the Chicago Principals Association. We had this discussion about opening the schools. And we, we got into a conversation, uh, Stacy, 
about uh, the strange attitude that exists in the same parts of like civic and editorial Chicago, the same, some of the same groups that urged <laughs> vote no on the fair tax because somehow or other, we, we can't raise the tax on the wealthiest people until we clean up corruption in Illinois, which uh, yeah, what a stretch right. that was. Uh, you know, it's funny, they never worry about cleaning up corruption when they want to give $2 billion to Amazon. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, you know, then, oh, just give them the money. Forget the corruption then. But but here's the thing. I don't, like, almost all of Civic Chicago, when somebody uh, in editorial Chicago is saying, Lori, whatever you do, Mayor Leifert, whatever you do with these schools, do not, do not listen to the Chicago Teachers Union. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what planet are we on? We're not supposed to listen to the union of the people who are going to go work in the schools? Just don't listen to them. Whatever you do, whether you keep them open or you close some of them, don't listen to the Chicago Teachers Union. Stacey Davis Gates, I mean, what is? why is there such a bias, in your humble opinion, by the powers that be in the city of Chicago against the Chicago Teachers Union? I think we've been very clear about there's a segment in Chicago that have been freeloading off on the backs of working families for generations. Um, this is a city that is comfortable with black pain and black death in ways that we find um, immoral. Um, and, and there's also a deficit of morality when it comes to um, the public sector and that they don't want to talk about the public sector as a pathway for women to be um, strong and empowered in their own household. They refuse to talk about the public sector um, as a way for black and Latinx families to actually maintain middle-class households, right? Mm -hmm. They want to take the black children and brown children and separate them as if they don't come from families and communities and offer them subpar fill in the blank. Right. And we've drawn lines in the sand. We've named names and we will continue to organize on it. And I think that that upsets the balance of power and priority for those groups that you've named. Right. Think about the contract that we settled last October and that it actually provides the infrastructure to deal with the impact of a, of, a, um, of a pandemic with nurses and social workers and smaller class sizes. But let the editorial board pages tell it we were being greedy, we didn't know what we were doing, and that we should have took the money and ran. Now look at where we are now. Now I'm not vindicated in any way because it's still like so much to be done. But if you listen to people who are advocating for less for the very people who need more and who quite frankly have given more in this city, then like you're no friend of anyone except for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're clear about that at our union. And I'm, I'm a proud member of the Chicago Teachers Union. I'm very proud. We are governed by justice. We are governed by equity. We are governed by, you know, this, this promise of liberty um, that this country has. And, and then the, here's the catch. We're also willing to work for that vision of, of equity. 
Um, we're not just going to tweet about it or pontificate about it. We're going to knock doors. We're going to make phone calls. We're going to have small and large group meetings. We're going to do the damn thing, period, end. And um, that's frightening, especially when you get accustomed to people just having, you know, a platform to talk about it and not be about it. All right, Stacey Davis-Gates, uh, Senator uh, Robert Peters has joined us. Uh, Robert, can you hear us? I'm here. All right, uh, State Senator Robert Peters. I believe he actually may be your state senator, uh, Stacey Davis-Gates. Uh, L.D. Sims is mine. You know, I went more south a few years ago. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. did not know that. Uh, sit corrected. Uh, Robert, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about the election results that have uh I'm looking at my map here. Uh, still, no, they still haven't said if Florida went to Trump. I've just kind of put it in my mind to Trump. Uh, and Arizona, they still haven't said that Arizona is going to go to um, Biden. To Biden, though, I put it in my mind uh, to Biden, uh, which means it's still coming down uh, to Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Uh, Robert Peters and Stacey Davis Gates. I'm going to ask you, Robert Peters, what's your general thought? Uh, about uh, the election results so far tonight? Um, I mean, I think particularly in the presidential, when we look at Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, they're late in terms of mail-in ballots and counting them uh, to call the election until later. So it's not happening today. Pennsylvania, we won't know about possibly until Friday, maybe even later than that. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Michigan's process that much. But what I can say is, you know, I think this is going to be, I think it was going to be a, people need to be in the streets demanding that every vote is counted, um, that we don't look at what, you know, I think gets a lot of good ratings, which is the horse race. Mm -hmm. And we, we just know that some of these states are going to be, you know, a legal battle and we have to ensure that the ballots are counted, uh, particularly in Pennsylvania. Uh, but we have a risk of, you know, Trump trying to pull a Bush v. Gore part two with, uh, you know, either Michigan, Wisconsin or and Pennsylvania. Well, and then I'm, uh, I'm going to ask both of you this question, then. Do you think the Democrats are better positioned uh, uh, this year to fight against uh, a Bush v. Gore? I'm, I, my, ma my mind, they rolled over uh, in 2000. They didn't fight hard enough. Uh, they definitely didn't go to the streets. The Republicans were the ones who went to the streets uh, in Miami, uh, in Florida in 2000. We'll start with Stacey and then go to Robert. Stacey, do you think the Democrats are in a better position to fight for this election? I think that um, they are. Um, and I, I don't I wouldn't call it just Democrats. I think Americans are, whether they identify blue or not. I think people um, really want a change. I even think that the people who are voting for Trump see are voting for something different than the beltway, if you will, which is, I think, their, his appeal to them for, for, I'm not saying I agree, I'm just, you know, stating it. That being said, I do think that it will be harder for Republicans to get away this time without a fight. Now, that still doesn't mean that the DNC will be with the people that are in the streets. Like that's not a foregone um, conclusion either, um, ultimately. 
Um, and, you know, I think labor across this country has been very clear, too, about getting every vote counted and making sure that um, we get a better country than what we have now. Because you saw what just happened with the Supreme Court. Like, this this is real. Yeah, no, it was a power grab. Robert, what's your thoughts on this? I think it's similar to Stacey here. I think it's the fact of the matter is there needs there's going to need to be a fight. I think that, you know, Democrats themselves will fight in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Uh, and the other part is I think that there just needs to be some level of mass mobilization um, that does need to happen because the risk is, you know, and I had a friend text me going, oh, my God, is this going to be, is this over? I can't believe we screwed it up. And it's because we're watching it expecting sort of the traditional announcement of what's going to happen with this national election when it's just not what we've normally seen. Um, you know, it, the broad use of mail, mail and ballots has to change our expectations of when we're going to get results, how we're going to get results. Uh, and we can't let it set in that we are, that we've just, ex- you know, we're accepting what we're seeing tonight because what we're seeing tonight isn't the full story. It isn't the full picture. Um, so I think it's also important that, the, that it, you know, it's understandable to have the anxiety and the despair. And to be honest with you, for many of us, the trauma that we had in 2016, that is an understandable place to be coming from, but to know that for us to, you know, for us to know that it's, it's somewhat different than 2016 in the fact that there's been a different process, particularly in these swing States. And for us to know, we're going to have to be vigilant in making sure every vote is counted. Uh, when the uh, when the election results uh, from Florida first came uh, out, Maya Dukmasova, my colleague, my partner in crime at uh, the Reader, was on with me, and she was really disenchanted. Uh, and uh, she was saying that once again, the Democratic Party has made the boneheaded decision to go with a centrist who tries to win over suburban uh, swing voters instead of uh, building its base. I'm so sick and tired of this. She went on a great rant, by the way. I got to give her a lot of credit. Uh, And then she said, I got to go drink uh, and get over this. Uh, And then she she moved on to better things. Uh, So I'm going to ask you, Stacey Davis Gates, and you, Robert Peters, do you agree with Maya uh, in her uh, interpretation of the Democratic Party and how it's trying to win these presidential elections? Go. Yes, I agree. And I think that there are more layers to that as well. You know, one thing about mainstream Democrats is that they will they will ask black people for their vote. They will spend a lot of time um, during the perfunctory and the performative um, to get the black vote. And some of the things that us, those of us who live on the left forget is that it's not enough to be right. You have to organize, you have to engage, and you have to, you know, meet people, meet voters where they are. And there's always a lot to lose in any election, obviously. And so I'm actually not going to, like, beat voters up for thinking, well, we got a better chance with Biden because people know him from Obama and we really got to get Trump out. Like there was a calculation that folks were making there, right? And the base of the party can no longer depend on the suburbs or white women. 
I think that the, the party has to figure out how to embrace who's embracing them and grow that base with respect to the policies and to um, the investment in voter um, turnout and the investment in creating new voters as well. Robert? Um, I think it's a little complicated if we're talking particularly around Florida um, and we're looking at what happened in Miami-Dade. Um, I, I think, in, you know, when we look at Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, um, you know, that's very real in the fact that, you know, if it's a milk toast presentation, um, like let alone just on the policies, if you're running extremely safe to the point where your messaging is even extremely safe, it doesn't motivate people to, to come out, but I, I'm also not sure how to give an analysis about tonight due to the fact of, of mail-in. Um, but what I do know with Florida, I am my, my belief. I mean, cause let's, let's back up and remember he, he's going to most likely, most likely, I don't want to change it when Arizona, um, you know, Biden is Biden. Mm-hmm, so yeah. he, he might've lost Florida, which to be honest with you has been a difficult state for quite some time. And, but he might've turned Barry Goldwater's home state blue. Um, but I, I do think in the fact that when we look at the Midwest and we look at, you know, both and Pennsylvania, which is, you know, a combination of like five regions that we do, we don't need someone who's just running on the idea of like mm. fluff. It, it, I think the, I, what makes Medicare for all appealing, you know, what makes uh, a green new deal appealing. I mean, this whole idea of, you know, in Pennsylvania freaking out about the um, fracking to appeal to people you were most likely never going to get uh, instead of talking about, talking about the issues that people in, you know, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia will really be feel passionate about it, it to me was a bad idea and it was doubling down on something that I think was going to have a limited return. Um, but I, 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 in my eyes, it's this, like I'm looking at CNN right now and it's just weird because I see Arizona and I could have never seen that, you know, like a while ago, ever see that coming. But Florida, I had such low expectations of, I, I, I did not bank on, on Florida. Um, so, yeah, Robert, I got to tell you this. And Stacy knows that she's heard me so many times. Donald Trump is the most despicable uh, public figure that I've encountered in my adult lifehood. And his behavior is so out of control and his behavior, like that first debate, if he was a, a high school debater, He'd have been kicked off the stage. He violated every rule that you're supposed to follow. So I'm Robert Peters. Uh, Stacy is always uh, chastising me about uh, voter okay. shaming. She always, always does between Amisha Patel and Robert Peters. I'm always getting in trouble for voter shaming, but I don't know how any self-respecting Floridian could vote for Donald John Trump. Stacey Davis Gates, you know what I'm saying? It's like... And they agree with them, man. And that's the hard part about what we're experiencing in this moment is that it's not Donald Trump. It, 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 it It's our neighbors, family members, people we work with, people we went to college with, folks that we, you know, um, you know, see in passing. 
we are we are coming face to face with the reality that it ain't Shangri-La. And no matter how hard we try to maintain social circles that reinforce our principles and beliefs, it just ain't the same for everyone. And um, that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But I got to keep saying this out loud. We live in a country that incarcerates more people in the world. Mm -hmm. And most of them are black and brown. We live in a country that underfunds schools where black and brown children attend. We live in a country where women are still making less than men. So these are our realities. You know, listen, they were going to kidnap the the Proud Boys up there in Michigan or whoever they were. They were going to (laughs) kidnap the governor. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like the audacity to even explore something so absolutely ridiculously dangerous and crazy. But they were they were like down for the moment. We also live in a country. What's the positivity rate in Wisconsin right now? 30? Like they, they legit ain't wearing a mask. They don't believe it. So this is what I'm saying. Like, look, we gotta like face facts about who our fellow Americans are. And this whole concept that we're better than this is not proven through history. Just ain't. All right, let's uh, close uh, with a couple local uh, discussions. Kim Fox, Robert Peters, do you have any updates on Kim Fox running for state's attorney? We talked about that race a lot. Yeah, she fucking won. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Robert Peters. I I think I'm, 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 the one thing I will say is it is exhausting that we are still sticking to a failed mass incarceration failed public safety policy and you know what people across the board don't feel safe i don't trust people who are stuck and obsessed to some weird mythical 1980s 90s view of public safety they failed they're like the mccaskies they gotta go there's gotta be some new there's, there's gotta be some new plans here right new approaches you know, we gotta gotta draft better to do the sports analogy. The way that this is going, this has been has been frustrating. I mean, my my main thing has been on talking about reimagining public safety, and the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to take advice from people who've been peddling something that's failed for 40 years. I'm not going to do it. You know, if they talk to me, I'm going to be like, prove it to me. If you have to do scaremongering and you have to be racist then that, that's that's deep down that's all you had that's all you cared about but yeah kim fox won again here we are um so you know and, and, and you know let me just say something let me add one more fact the democrat won okay kim fox the democrat because all these people who talk about supporting the democrat and i'm not talking about just voters i'm talking about people in power if you're if you say you're a Democrat and you go after Trump all the time, let me tell you something. The Democrat won. Robert Peters, if I didn't know any better, I think you were making uh, an allusion to uh, Alderman Brendan Riley of the 42nd Ward. Uh, no when you comment. I'm just glad a Democrat won. OK, Stacey Davis Gates, I know you're going to comment because I've never seen Stacey Davis Gates say no comment. Go ahead, Stacey. 
I mean, that is a comment, though. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we knew what the deal was. Kim Fox is letting black men out of prison that were kidnapped from the city of Chicago by a rogue and racist group of cops. And um, that, again, upsets the equilibrium of white supremacy. And so she didn't have any margin of error um, in carrying out her leadership. And that was the campaign. She's let too many of them out. She's being too lenient on them. Um, and so that, that, that was literally his campaign. And those who supported that campaign have to evaluate why every person in the world gets to make a mistake except for a black woman running the state's attorney's office, even if she made a, quote, mistake. You understand what I'm saying? They get to evaluate why Jesse Smollett mattered more than freeing um, people convicted falsely mm. in the state of Illinois and Cook County. What is it? The, 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 the wrongful conviction capital of the world. Right. And she's writing those wrongs. Mm. Hell, she deserves a, a parade for heroes in my book. Um, but again, I am okay with acknowledging the obvious about our country because it is not a new obvious, if you will. Like, this is a thing that has been here for as long as Black folks have been um, brought here. And that we have to come to terms with patriarchy and white supremacy and how it has enveloped our thought process for everything. Mm. And it ain't just white folks. It's black folks too. It's brown folks too. White supremacy works when we all believe in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so that's the thing. And so for those of us who want to see a different type of America, Cook County, Chicago, Illinois, we're going to have to have some real discussions about how we organize around justice and equity, how, you know, this translates into racial, social, and economic justice instead of dancing around it. If we're going to take a loss, take a loss because you stood on your convictions. Don't take a loss because you put, put it around it and still lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's wasted, uh, you know, energy. All right. Uh, very good. We're almost out of time. I just want to leave you guys with this. I uh, just got this uh, update uh, from Georgia. Ke uh, Kelly Leffler and uh, Raphael Warnock are going to be uh, in a runoff. I don't know if you've been following that. That's the uh, uh, senator's race. It could be pivotal in determining if the Democrats take control of the um, of the Senate. And once again, um, there will be a black candidate, a black Democrat running in the South Stacy, Robert, just get your thoughts on this. Um, man, that's a big hill to climb uh, to win a statewide uh, in the South these days. Unless you're, you know, a Republican. I think Robert and I talked about this. Tim Scott, it's one thing for a black man to run as a Republican, uh, telling the majority of white people what they want to hear. And it's another thing for a black person running uh, in the South as a Democrat statewide. Uh, and yet I'm going to be hopeful uh Raphael Warnock what's your thoughts about this uh Stacey Davis Gates 
you know, we need to have some power in the city, uh, Senate, I'm sorry. Look, I don't know, I'm just, hopefully he wins. You know, I don't know, like Ben, um, it's, um, you know, look, he Biden is still up, you know, and we still need to like have some room in the Senate. But one thing that we have to do is that we have to fight for it. You know, Republicans fight for it. Mm. They go all out. They leave everything on the field. And at some point, you know, this illusion, this falsehood of politics of respectability have to be put down. Like people really erect respectability politics as a thing, not understanding it was a tactic. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Dr. King wouldn't have the same perspective on respectability politics in this moment. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert, uh, final thought. Yeah. I'll just say about Georgia. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Joe Lieberman's son who stayed in that race. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see the exact results, but what I saw from polling for the longest time was if Joe Lieberman's son, I don't know his name. Matt. Because he, Matt, if Matt Lieberman decided not to, you know, run or dropped out, maybe we have, we don't even have a runoff. I, I haven't seen the results, but it just goes to show, you know, this is a thing we see within the party all the time. And it just now makes it even more difficult where millions of dollars need to be pumped in, um, in a state that does massive amounts of voter suppression. So hopefully we win that race. Um, and let's not forget that, uh, there's Joe Lieberman again being, you know, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Some themes remain the persistent in the democratic party going back to 2000. All right, Stacey Davis Gates, get some sleep. Uh, thank you so much for coming on as always a uh, good friend of the show and you too, Robert Peters, uh, state Senator Robert Peters. I got it wrong. You're not Stacey Davis Gates, a uh, state Senator, but in her heart, you're her state Senator. How about that? If I, I would be honored. Right. I would be honored to be Stacey Senator. I'd be honored. Hey, right. Robert, as long as you keep taking those right votes, you are <laughs> a little arm twisting. You here. are my Senator. <laughs> They call her SDG for a reason. Stacey Davis-Gates, thank you very much. Robert Peters, thank you very much. And uh, that'll about shut it down. I was hoping to say definitively that uh, somebody won. Joe Biden won. But D, looks like we're going to be talking about this for a long time. Because it's gonna, they're going to be counting those votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin forever. Yeah, lots to talk about tomorrow. Uh, make sure to join us. Uh, we're live 1 to 3 p.m. Tuesdays through Fridays. Make sure you can download our uh, shows as well, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Thanks for uh, hanging in there with us this uh, this evening. That was, yeah. At, uh, and tomorrow, uh, Monroe Anderson will be joining us. He was predicting... <laughs> I don't think Monroe's predictions have, have done too well uh, tonight, but we'll see what he has to say. He's got a whole 24 hours to figure out what he's going to have to say. I want to thank, oh my God, so many guests, Stacey Davis-Gates, Robert Peters, uh, Rose Colosino, Tracy Bain, Maya Dukmasova, David Ferris, Jacob Kaplan. Man, they all came out. Good friends of this show. I love them all, man. Just always standing by me wherever I am. And um, like I said, the results weren't exactly what I wanted. But the race is not over yet. There's still a lot of vote counting to go. And if nothing else, it'll give us something to talk about. Right, D? Absolutely. 
All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care. See you tomorrow.